Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and this is the fourth of the four talks I gave at the ISCT course, and it was entitled Pitfalls and Pearls, or Pearls and Pitfalls in the Diagnosis of Pancreatic Head Tumors. And I thought this is an interesting topic. We often speak about the problem with diagnosing pancreatic masses. I always like this quote, people trust their eyes above all else, but most people see what they wish to see, or what they believe they should see, not what is really there. And that's a great point with pancreatic lesions. Sometimes we see a mass, we think it's pancreas, it's not. Sometimes we see a mass, we think it's not pancreas, it is. Sometimes we think we see something and it's really not there, and sometimes we think we see nothing and something's present. Now, when you look at the pancreas, you can tell the variability in reading. Now, this is a multidisciplinary conference we have at Hopkins, and this was the initial reports for the first couple years, but the numbers haven't changed over the subsequent five years. About a quarter of patients had a change in their recommendations after they came to the multidisciplinary board. But what is particularly impressive was that the majority of these cases, it was due to imaging. Now we do look at the outside CT scans, but a key thing we do is 3D imaging, and that makes a massive difference. 38 of 203 patients had a change in the status of their clinical stage based on the imaging. But it's not only the staging that we changed. Sometimes we said what they had was a benign process. It was autoimmune pancreatitis and not cancer. And sometimes we said it was a groove pancreatitis, and sometimes we said it was a neuroendocrine tumor and it wasn't an adenocarcinoma. There are many things. So when you look at the pitfalls in the pancreatic head, we talk about detection, characterization, and identification. So I always talk about technique, and I'll just mention this is a great case of technique. Do you see the pancreatic mass here? The answer is, is the head prominent? I don't know. Probably it's okay. There's no dilated common duct or pancreatic duct. But don't you see the mass that I've circled for you? Don't you see it? Here's a second chance. Well, this was venous phase, 60 seconds post-injection, and when you were 30 seconds earlier, there was a neuroendocrine tumor. So timing is critical, and the timing that's most critical is with neuroendocrine tumors. They may only be seen on arterial phase imaging, and when you get to venous phase imaging, they may be long gone. And you don't see the telltale signs of ductilitation or anything else. So again, protocols indeed become very critical. And this is over two centimeter pancreatic lesion. Think about the smaller lesions, how you would easily miss them if you didn't do arterial phase imaging. Now, when you look at the pancreatic head, some of the problems relate to congenital anomalies and normal variants, which can simulate a tumor. And that's a very good article by Borgie, making the point that some of the things you need to be careful with are divism, which classically gives a large head of the pancreas, annular pancreas, variations in duct chorus, agenesis or hypoplasia, ectopic pancreas, pancreatic cysts. But the one I'll look at is annular pancreas. That's the key one in the pancreatic head. And annular pancreas, you see the second line, can be confused with a pancreatic mass. There's two types, extramural and intramural. The extramural can present with the duodenal obstruction, while intramural can present with the duodenal ulcerations. The key thing with annular pancreas is like it sounds. A segment of the pancreas surrounds the second portion of the duodenum. Now here's a nice example with positive contrast. You see that soft tissue on the duodenum? People thought that was a duodenal mass. It was an, or an implant in the duodenum, that's the annular pancreas. Look, it has the exact density of the normal pancreas. And when you would do some reconstructions, it's very easy to show. But if you've never seen it or you don't think about it, you can see where it can be confusing in this case. 
Or in this example, this was read as a pancreatic mass, but once we did the contrast, you can see what you really see is a prominent pancreas, in part because it's an annular pancreas surrounding the duodenum. There wasn't a mass present. Here it is axial, and here it is coronal. I mentioned before autoimmune pancreatitis. That's something very, very popular these days. With autoimmune pancreatitis, the gland is focally enlarged or diffusely enlarged. The thing with autoimmune pancreatitis is it can simulate pancreatic carcinoma, both radiographically as well as on presentation. In this case, look at the pancreatic tail. This is a wonderful case. This is described as sort of the cigar appearance. You see the hypodensity at the periphery of the pancreas. You see the amorphous appearance of the pancreas. You see the lack of duct dilatation, be it common duct or pancreatic duct. That's a very classic sign. Now, autoimmune pancreatitis is known by many things, lymphoplasmocytic sclerosing pancreatitis or chronic sclerosing pancreatitis, a lot of good names, but autoimmune pancreatitis or IG4-related pancreatitis is the key word. What is it? A bit more specifically, it's a type of chronic pancreatitis that's characterized by an autoimmune inflammatory process with lymphoplasmocytic infiltration associated with fibrosis of the gland. Key findings are the absence of a prior history of pancreatitis, elevated immunoglobulin G4, and that is critical. That's how you make the diagnosis without a biopsy. Patients get a dramatic response to steroid therapy in typically treatments for two weeks, and but it can be very difficult to distinguish from pancreatic cancer, and I'll tell you why. Most patients are over 50, that's the age of pancreatic cancer. Males more common than females, but look at the presentation jaundice, abdominal pain, weight loss, new-onset diabetes. That's the same exact presentation you get with pancreatic adenocarcinoma. Now, autoimmune pancreatitis is kind of interesting because you have many extra pancreatic processes, ranging from sclerosing cholangitis and primary biliary cirrhosis, to ulcerative colitis, to sojourn syndrome, to renal involvement, and even retroperitoneal fibrosis. And again, the key things that make you think about it Weight loss, no history of pancreatitis, CA-19-9 may be elevated, and the CT appearance is often mass-like, but there are some features that are different. Here was an article by Kim, focal involvement of the pancreas has been reported to have an incidence that ranges from 28 to 41%. These findings on autoimmune pancreatitis can mimic those of pancreatic cancer. Now, when you have extra pancreatic findings, often it can be helpful. Here's a great case, which looks like a mass in the head of the pancreas, but this was autoimmune pancreatitis. I'll show you more images, but look at the kidneys. Look at that patchy enhancement of the kidneys. Hypodense, almost looks like lymphoma. Almost way too much for just inflammation, but you can see very nice autoimmune pancreatitis, large gland diffusely with these changes in the kidneys. Now, another process that can really simulate uh, pancreatic cancer is groove pancreatitis. It's a form of pancreatitis where you have inflammation between the duodenum and pancreatic head, and it looks mass-like. As in this case, it also can obstruct the common duct, so you assume it's a mass. But you'll notice in 3Ds are very nice to show this. There's no evidence of arterial or venous involvement. It's a very important diagnosis because patients end up with Whipple's procedure. Groove pancreatitis, soft tissue within the pancreatic duodenal groove, with or without delayed enhancement, you see small cystic lesions along the medial duodenal wall. So think autoimmune pancreatitis, think groove pancreatitis. You can look awfully smart every once in a while. And at times, particularly with 
in autoimmune pancreatitis, as some of my surgical colleagues will say, if you think about it, treat for it. You give the patient steroids for two weeks, it's not gonna change when you do surgery, but boy, it can really change the need for surgery. Now, other things that can be confused with pancreatic masses relate to vascular pancreatic lesions. Now, of course, we talk about vascular lesions as in tumors. Patients with renal cell carcinoma 10 to 15 years later can have metastasis to the head of the pancreas, for example. We also can be confused with neuroendocrine tumors, separating neuroendocrine from adenoCA if you don't have early phase imaging, but also vascular complications like aneurysms or pseudoaneurysms. So if I look at this case and I see a vascular mass in the pancreatic head, to me it's always a neuroendocrine tumor with a big asterisk. If you're missing a kidney, you better be thinking renal cell, as in this case you're missing the right kidney, and then you're thinking about renal cell carcinoma, metastatic to the pancreas, and you're gonna be right. Often these lesions are multiple. What's most interesting to me, it may be the only site of metastasis, so this is resected and the patients will do fine. Now, there are many things around the pancreas that can make you think you have a pancreatic mass. And it could be things in the duodenum, like carcinoma or gist tumors, or it could be nodes from a process like cirrhosis of the liver, or a patient with right colon cancer, or a lymphoma. This was a difficult case, cystic lesion. Is this adenocarcinoma? Is this some other cystic pancreatic mass, perhaps? Well, when you look at this, here's a duodenum. But when you did the surgery, this was a gist tumor of the duodenum. It's really exophytic. Boy, it's a tough call to make, but it's something to consider. Now, this one's a bit easier, round and smooth. It doesn't look like a pancreatic cancer. It doesn't obstruct common duct and pancreatic duct. And I've said time and time again, if you have a mass in the head of the pancreas and it doesn't obstruct the common or pancreatic duct, you better be thinking it's not adenocarcinoma. It could be lymphoma, but it also could be something that's non-pancreatic. In this case, when you look at these images, it's smooth, homogeneous. Here it is coronal in 3D. This was a gastrointestinal stromal tumor. So just tumors can be very large, can occur in the duodenum. Pancreatic adenocarcinoma. Now, the truth is, if you mistake an adenocarcinoma of the pancreas with the adenocarcinoma of the duodenum, or vice versa, at the end of the day, it's the same treatment for surgery. They both get a Whipple's procedure. So perhaps it's not that important, but here's a large ulcerating mass. This was assumed to be a pancreatic mass, but pancreatic masses don't ulcerate, but perhaps what you're dealing with is a pancreatic cancer growing into the duodenum. We see that happening, but there was no common duct and there was no pancreatic duct dilatation. That would be a bit unusual. Now, when you look carefully, what was most unusual was the dilated intrahepatic ductal system. So it's important to recognize that invasive duodenal lesions like adenocarcinoma can simulate pancreatic masses and can behave just like them, obstructing the distal ductal system. Another patient, history jaundice. This was classic for pancreatic cancer. Big intrahepatic ducts, I'm following it down, big common duct. Look at that cutoff. When you look carefully, this wasn't a pancreatic mass, it was a duodenal mass, duodenal adenocarcinoma. Here's a series of very nice views to show that. So indeed, it's a very, very important diagnosis. Again, it's not gonna change management, but it's something you wanna be much more specific about. Also, the point about how we analyze lesions becomes very important. I mentioned the things that look like the pancreas, well, here's a B-cell lymphoma which infiltrates the pancreas. The importance of making the diagnosis here, you don't want to operate. You want to be able to treat the patient uh, with chemotherapy. Again, an important point, large mass infiltrating low density. I got to think lymphoma, no duct dilatation, be it pancreatic or common. You better not be thinking adenocarcinoma. 
And so this case is a beautiful example of infiltration in the peripancreatic attic area as well as in the pancreas itself. So very, very nice example. You can see the vessels are stretched. If you had a carcinoma, the vessels would be invaded and narrowed, not simply stretched. Now, this was a great case and a really uh, classic example. This patient was sent for evaluation of this pancreatic mass, and you can see what looks like a large mass in the pancreatic head. Now, I don't see a dilated pancreatic duct, so perhaps it's something peripancreatic. Perhaps it's nodes pushing on the pancreas. But it comes really far back toward the aorta, so you're really thinking about pancreatic cancer. But then we had a chest CT in this patient. Look at the metesophagus. This was esophageal cancer, and the peripancreatic mass was metastatic nodes from esophageal cancer. Remember, esophagus goes to the region of the celiac and SMA, as well as peripancreatic region. So again, a very important diagnosis you can see in this case on the axial views and the coronal views. It's not very often I pick up an incidental esophageal cancer, but this is one such example. But again, you can see why nodes in the peripancreatic region, most commonly lymphoma, gallbladder cancer, uh, liver tumors, as well as ricolin cancer can simulate pancreatic masses. I've seen a couple cases of uh, gallbladder cancer where we didn't appreciate the gallbladder wall thickening as much as we should have, and we saw a lot of nodes and what looked like a tumor in the pancreatic head, but it was all nodes from a gallbladder cancer. So again, at times it can be tricky. So in looking at the pancreatic head, the pitfalls, detection, characterization, identification. And hopefully at, on all three levels, I've improved your capability by thinking about the potential pitfalls, by thinking about the questions you need to ask, what you need to be looking at in the imaging, and how you need to analyze the cases. And with that, have a great day.